Well, we've been on a series on Elijah. I couldn't come up with a better title for the series, so it's just Elijah. Um, I mean, unless you want to be creative to do something different with that, I just, I just seem to just leave it alone so I don't stress myself out over it. Um, I told Tommy this morning, I, I thought about the title for this morning's message, and I almost said, The Cost of Carmel, but I figured that... Uh, <laughs> I don't know, it might be kind of catchy. Somebody might just turn it on. Just cost of caramel, what's that mean? Caramel candy or what? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so I decided just to change it. I changed it to a, a Mount Carmel experience. And uh, I think we'll all get something out of this. I, I know I did as I was just trying to gather thoughts. And... Uh, God can help us in ways that we fall short and we're incapable of helping ourselves. And it takes a moment with Him sometimes to, to give us some clarity in either what's taking place in ourself or what's taking place around us. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been involved with church for so long, some of us longer than others, um, not talking about your age, because there's some us that are elderly haven't been in church as long as some of the youth. Um, some of the youth have actually spent more time in church than some of the old. But um, but we've gone to church and we've heard we've heard so many sermons, even even on this that we're we're going to talk about this morning. I have heard this sermon. I can't count the ways. But there was so much involved in these sermons, and they all kind of surrounded, they all had a nucleus. And the nucleus was the fact that Elijah called fire from heaven. And it burned up the offering, it burned up the rocks, it lapped the water. And everybody always had a tendency to lean toward, not saying that they're wrong. I'm just saying there's a twist to this this morning. But it's always leaned towards, you know, that that he had faith or we had faith and we can call fire from heaven and you ought to be calling fire from heaven. And But something hit me this morning right off the bat. And... Uh, I don't want us to perceive, because this is what happens. When, when all we teach are exciting messages and um, personal growth sermons and how you can become something better, you're not going to become any better than God created you to be. That's number one. But we focus on that a lot, and we would... We will spend, I forgot what the number is now, on these life coaches. That money is astronomical that they will spend to have somebody come in and tell you what you're scared to tell yourself. I preach it's going to be a tough one this morning. We, and, and I'm, I'm not downplaying this, so hear me. But we will go to psychiatrists to try to find the problem with ourselves 
that we already know we have, but when they pull it out of us, we'll deny that too. Because we don't want to fix most of the time what's going on. We, we, won't, we don't want to dig deep enough or hard enough. We don't, we don't want to be so honest with ourselves. Because when we're real honest with ourselves, sometimes we're not the person that we're dreaming of being. Can I tell you that it's okay? If, if we would get our minds lit up in this word and hear what God has to say about us, I don't need you to tell me how I can be better. I don't need you to tell me who I can be and who I'm not. I can look in God's Word and kind of figure that thing out of who God's created me to be and allow God and His Holy Spirit to lead me and direct me through life. But I don't want to give you something this morning that is a, I don't want to call it anything false, but I just don't want you thinking that we're on the high road all the time. Just because you have Christ in your life doesn't mean that you're always on the mountaintop. There, there are things in life that we're faced with that aren't beneficial to us in our flesh. Now, it might be beneficial to some of our soul issue, but to the flesh, man, it just doesn't, it doesn't mesh. So I'm looking at Elijah and I'm going, huh, I wonder if this has anything to do with this experience on Mount Carmel. If you've got your Bibles, go to 1 Kings, and we'll start at chapter 18. Depending on how I read this, we might read the whole story or the account. But have you, have you ever read about Elijah and ever said, man, what it must have been to be Elijah? Man, what, what awesomeness was it to experience the things that Elijah experienced through the hand of God? Have you ever looked at other people, and I'm sure we have, all of us have, at one time or another, have looked at someone else that carries an anointing for certain things, and we go, man, I wish I could lay hands on the sick and watch them be healed. Man, that's just... Oh, man, I wish I could go and pray over a dead person and they come back to life. Man, that would be, wouldn't that be, I wish I could pray for someone and watch their leg. I wish I could, I wish I, I wish I, I wish I, I wish I. This is what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about having a Mount Carmel experience in your life. How many of you, have you ever thought about it? Have you ever wished that you could have a Mount Carmel experience? Man, call fire from heaven. I mean, let's see what happens in order to do that. Starting in verse number 20, it says, Ahab, so Ahab sent for all the children of Israel. Now, this is, Elijah has now come out of, you could say, hiding. Um, he's been he's been running for a while. He he's been surviving. Anybody feel like you just been surviving? <laughs> he he he's been surviving for these past few years, and the Bible says that now the word of the Lord come to him. And three years later, this was the time from when he originally said there's going to be no more rain until I say it will. He now goes and he meets up with Obadiah. 
Now, Obadiah was a servant and served King Ahab. Obadiah was a God-fearing man. Obadiah runs up on Elijah and he goes, Oh, Lord, is, oh Lord Elijah, is that you? And he, he kneels down, he bows down in front of him and he's talking to him and Elijah says, I want you to go and tell King Ahab I'm here. He goes, oh no, wait a minute, time out. Uh-uh. He said, let me, let, me, let me help you with something. He's already put people out here, there, here, there, over here, over yonder, up there, down here. He's already sent people everywhere, and nobody says that they've seen you. Now, if I go back to him and tell him that I've seen you, he's going to kill me. I'm not doing that. He goes, okay, fine. Look, I'm not going to run anywhere. I'm going to reveal myself to King Ahab. So Obadiah goes, he tells King Ahab. King Ahab now comes to meet Elijah. He's, remember, last week we talked about, he pointed out to Elijah, he said, you're the troubler of Israel. He said, no, nah, I didn't cause the trouble. You did and your fathers did. See, we, sometimes we got to, sometimes we just got to put people in their place. Let them know, what, never mind. I don't want to pick. So now this is where we are. King Ahab and Elijah now come face to face. Elijah's already told him to gather Israel. Let's go meet at the mountain. So King Ahab is getting the Israelites. He's getting the prophets of Baal, the, pop, the, the prophets of Asherah, and they're going. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal, follow Him. But the people answered him, Not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets, there's 450 of you. Therefore, let them give us two bulls. And let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood, but no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood but put no fire under it. Skip down to verse 30. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near me. This is after, this is after all these other prophets. They put the bull out. They'd done their little dancing game. They were cutting themselves. They were calling out the bell. Bell never answered. Elijah actually started mocking them and said, hey, your God must be over there taking a leak or something. <laughs> then Elijah said to all the people, come near me. Come over here. And he, repa he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with these stones... He built an altar in the name of the Lord. Let me just 
I'll stop. Y'all know the account? You know everything that took place here? They meet up. Baal prophets, they're trying to do the same thing as Elijah, God's prophet. So everything was put out. All the rules were laid on the table. Elijah stepped back and said, you know what? I'm going to give you a fair shake. I'm going to let you go first. Go have at it. They couldn't do it. Elijah came. Elijah done his deal. And then God showed up. How many of you would love to be in a situation that God shows up? Let me go over a couple of points. I've got, probably won't be here 15, 20 minutes. When we consider, man, what it must be like to be like this person or that person or to be able to do this and do that, have we ever truly sat and considered and weighed the cost? Oh, we want to play ball like Michael Jordan. Oh, we want to be the next Tiger Woods. But we don't want to put in what it takes to become what they are. Oh, we want to be the next T.D. Jakes or whoever. The next, we got to be the next big preacher. But we don't want to put in what it takes. We don't weigh the cost. So this morning, I want to, I want to talk to you for a minute. So I want to challenge you that you are capable of weighing the cost before you say. But I want you to understand more so what the costs are. Because you have to be careful what you ask God for. And if it's in God's plan for you, you may be asking for it ahead of time. Don't you know, Peter... Didn't step off that boat until God told him to come, right? Let's weigh the cost of the experience. First off, we, we read that. Let me flip back there so I get it right. How long will you falter between two opinions? Man, one, one of the costs of, of making sure that not only is God hearing, but he's answering and God shows up and heaven backs us on our prayers. Number one, we got to be in the will of God. I understand that. But number two, are we, are we in a position to where it's okay to be alone? How long will you falter between two opinions? <laughs> Just because it's not working for you when you're alone with God doesn't mean that you should run over here to the other group that isn't of God and do it their way. I get it. There's a thousand people over there and there's only you. I understand. I know, I know what it is to be alone. I get it. I know, I know what it is to have to stand no matter what. See, you've got to stand. See, I've, I've, been, I've been down that road and I've been challenged. I prayed for a daughter. 
to be healed. I want to physically see it with my own eyes and not be able to see it. And then one Sunday morning, God in his great little ways that he moves me, he said, I want you to preach on healing this morning. I said, I've worked 35, 40 hours on this one. This is what we preaching this morning. He said, no, we preaching on healing. And I got mad. Not only that it, it took my time away from me, I got mad that he would even challenge me to preach something that I almost wasn't for sure. Come on, I get, you, you've never been there. You, you've never had that challenge of saying something about God and, and pulling God out of the abstract and pulling him into the concrete to let somebody know that he can do it. Because he's not done it for you yet. So, so I've been there. I, I, I understand. I understand what this wavering thing is. The, this faltering between two opinions. Not really knowing, should I stay or should I go? Am I going to get on board with them or do I stay on board with God? Do I, do I trust God enough? Will I stand on his word and his word alone? Do I have enough faith to stay grounded? It's not easy. When everything else around you points differently than what he has told you or what you've read or what somebody else has told you. Everything around you in life, man, is pointing you down this road and God's telling you to take this road. But this road, God, is much easier. This, this, everybody's doing it this way. I should be going that way. So sometimes we get caught up, and we've all done it. Some of us will do it tomorrow. We'll sit in here today. We'll believe one way because the pastor's preaching good. We'll believe one way, but tomorrow when something hits, uh-oh. We'll act differently tomorrow to somebody because they tried our everlasting nerve. But isn't this what we do? When everything works right, we say it's God. When it works wrong, we say it's not. In most cases, I, well, I won't say most. There's a lot of cases that what you experience good, what you call good in the flesh here, May even be the enemy just making an easy road. Don't think that he won't throw up distractions. He knows that word better than you do. That's all he ever heard. But too many times we we want the experience of Mount Carmel. Come on, they did too. All the people around wanted that same experience because you see when we jump down to verse 30, when all of them come over there to check him out, he said, all right, y'all come gather around. See, everybody won't follow what God wants them to do, but everybody wants what God has to offer. They wasn't looking for the right life. They was just looking for the right thing.
I wonder if we got churches that do that. I wonder if we got churches that just go to church on Sunday and Wednesday just so they can get something. I know some of y'all have done that, but I'm just talking about generalized church. Because y'all don't, y'all come to give. We come to give. That's all we, we come to give. We don't ever come to get. We come to give. Because we know that it's better to give than. We can't be so easily swayed. Where, where's the church gone? We've become so easily swayed. Man, look where culture has taken church. I'm not, I'm not putting... When I'm talking church, I'm talking about the church, the one that Christ is the head of. I'm not talking about one church, IPHC denomination. I'm not talking about First Baptist Church, Baptist denomination. I'm not talking about the AG. I'm, not, I'm talking about the church of God. What has happened? And you can't tell me that culture has not swayed the church. Tradition has swayed the church. And we wonder why the power isn't in the church. The Bible even warned us, be careful because your tradition will make the word of no avail. What's it talking about? It, it make it powerless. And that's what we're facing. That's what we're seeing. If you haven't noticed yet, the world don't turn to the church. The church turns to the world. Don't be scared to say amen just because we live. <laughs> Let them know where you stand. See, that. how much longer will you? Amen. See, oh, it's easy to say, bless the Lord, when the lights are out and no mics are on. But when the church doors swing open wide and everybody can see you. Come on, look, I'm not, I'm not getting on you. I'm just, I'm letting, all I want you to do is understand and weigh the cost of having the caramel experience. Even the disciples did not weigh the cost. Peter even said, oh, Lord, not you. They'll never kill you. I'll protect you. Meanwhile, meanwhile, at the courts, he's getting warmed by the fire, cussing him. Well, I ain't going to say he's cussing God, but he's he cussing. I don't know him. Wait a minute. Dude, you just said, oh, God, no, not you. You just said, I'll even go to death with you. And you won't. So Listen. Don't take it that I'm getting on you. Even the apostles done that. 
There was only, if you recall, there was only one at the cross. And I'm not so sure it was because it was his apostle more than it was his brother. Here again, I'm not asking you to think like I think. I'm just putting stuff out there. Because if he would have been known, well, never mind. So how how many times are we given this challenge and this opportunity? And because we are wayward in our thinking, when we do call God, when we do call for a need, I'm not, now pastor, listen, I'm not telling you there is A plus B plus C equals God, okay? I'm not doing that. God said, I will bless whom I choose, and I will curse whom I choose. God said, he'll heal who he wants to heal, and he won't heal who he don't want to heal. Guess what? If you don't like that, you take that up with the sovereignty of God. Don't come to me about it. I have nothing to do about it. Absolutely nothing. He's God. He could, there, there ain't no other gods. It, the Bible said that he was looking and couldn't find one. That's why he swore to himself. He ain't found nobody better than him. So it, it, it's not that I'm telling you that you have to do this formula. And that, that's, that's another problem with the church. We put God to a formula. We think that if we sing three songs, take up an offer, and pat somebody on the back, glory, hallelujah, we've had church. No. We've experienced God. No. You can't tell me that God's going to do it the same way tomorrow that he done it yesterday. And the day, but well, the Lord doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You've heard that one, right? Listen, know what you're quoting when you quote it. It ain't talking about how he does it. It's talking about his deity. It's talking about the efficiency of his blood. It's talking about he's going to be the same. The same blood that dropped on the tree is the same blood that will take care of you and me. That's how it works. That's what he said. You can't tell me that he won't do it differently. He'd done it differently with Moses. He'd done it differently with Abraham. He'd done it differently with Isaac. He'd done it differently with all of them. Every time that a new name come from heaven and God represented himself differently, Something else happened. So we'll always be in that. I'm not telling you that I want you to put one, two, and three points together and then God's going to answer every given prayer. It, listen, no. Stop. Stop with the religious mentality. That's what we attach to. Man, we like it when we like it when pastors give us the the give me the three steps to breaking free. And buddy, they put them three steps together and it doesn't happen. Guess what they do? They leave the church, they leave the faith. Because it didn't happen. I'm not giving you formulas. I'm just telling you this is all part of the game. This is just how this is gonna work. Until God can trust you, God ain't putting you in charge of nothing. Until he knows that you're mature enough to handle it, he's not going to give you the authority over it. So my first thing was, 
being willing to stay, and I kind of put a, an acronym to this, but it's really not an acronym, but it is, it would help me remember it when I started putting it together. But the B in being, that's the B, the letter B, and then A in accept. And then I put D, just, I just said don't. It just helped me remember it, but then I looked at it and I went, that's an acronym, that's B-A-D, that boy bad, just like Elijah. You want... Just hang on. The second thing that I looked at was accept the idea that there are alone times. And, and it's not so much that Elijah was alone because I don't want you to think that it's, it's all about being alone and nobody's around. It's the fact that you can be alone in a whole group of people. You can stand for something and be willing to die for that, right or wrong. We've seen it both ways. But it's the fact that there's going to be alone times. Are you willing to be alone? You want the caramel experience. You want to be able to, to call down fire from heaven. You want things to change. You want people's lives to turn around. But are you willing to accept the fact That maybe one day you're going to have to stand alone. You're going to have to be separated. You ever felt that way before? Man, it's not a good feeling, is it? Have you ever been separated to the fact that when you did stand alone, you became ridiculed for what you stood for? Oh, that's hard. Well, we won't talk about, you know, we, we won't mix government and religion. You know why? Because the religious people are scared to death. I ain't scared. I'm going to tell you abortion's wrong. I'm going to tell you homosexuality is wrong. I'm going to tell you that having all the other idols is wrong. I, I don't care. You, whatever, I'll stand alone. I'm okay with it. Because there's a day coming. And I... I would much rather want to face him knowing that I stood alone. Most of the time we don't want to stand alone because of the reward with it. Man, if I do what they do, then, you know, we, oh, that ain't good. We get all kinds of worldly rewards. Don't seek to satisfy the emotions of being alone by joining those around you, even when you know what they're doing is wrong. How many of you have changed your ideology based on what others are doing? Or you, you've changed, maybe you've changed how hard you are in your belief against what you believe or what you don't believe. Abortion, let's just take it up. Let's just talk about abortion for a second. Well, I mean, if, if the woman was raped, do you really think that God wanted her to carry that child 
through the term. Now, here's my stance. I don't know. What I do know is killing babies ain't right. God put it like this to Moses. He said, now you tell them, today I presented you life and death. Choose life. But we'll, man, we, we got to bring up all these other things on, do you not, do you don't think that the, that the enemy is not slick enough to throw in these little clauses so that he can get the church to twist their mind just a little and if he can get them to twist their mind just a little. And that's what the church is doing. We won't stand on what we believe. We're unwilling to stand alone. We'll go back because politics says lean this way, lean that way. We either red or we're blue. We either this one or with that one. No. Absolutely not. There's only been one person in politics that I'll ever follow and trust. Y'all do know that Jesus was a politician. That's right. <laughs> he was for a kingdom. That's right. He was in he was in politics. Absolutely he was. Here's the difference. Nobody voted him in, and can't nobody vote him out. There's a difference. And never once did you ever see him promise one thing and give another. All Republican, Democrat, and talking to both of you. All of you. It doesn't matter. I don't I don't even know how many things are out there right now. I don't, don't I don't care. You've got to be willing to stand for what you know. And you better be willing to stand there. Because if you want the Mount Carmel experience, don't expect that just because you're following Christ, you start on a different level than the others around you. Did did y'all see that in that scripture where it said in verse 23, it said, therefore, let them, okay, Give us two bulls. Elijah Elijah didn't say, okay, wait a minute now, being that I'm the servant of the Lord and I'm the prophet of God, then I'm, all of my stuff, I get to light a fire on the mine first, or I get to have this, or I get to have that, or I get, that's, Christian, listen to me. It may just be the fact that God needs you to start right at the same level as your opposer so that he can show them that they can be delivered just as well as you. They may need to see that you started in the same spot and that God is taking you to a different level. We are always wanting to be treated differently, treated better, and we, we should have AC, and we should have cushion seats. Yeah. 
Be honest, you're in church and on camera, so there's witnesses. Right. How many of you would come to the church without AC and chairs? Me. We'll go test you. We go test you. Oh, without being grumpy and without complaining. I forgot I left that out. Ask question now. Because see now with all of that being said, how many could I expect to see? Boy, the numbers went down fast. But that is, that is what the Christian attitude is. The Christian attitude is that everything should be handed to us. Well, if I'm serving God, this shouldn't happen. No. And it makes me so mad. No. If, if Jesus had to face a cross... makes you think that your life is supposed to be so easy. Oh, you better than him? Oh, you don't want the persecution. You don't think that you should have to go through that. So I'm not going to talk to anybody outside the church about Jesus. But in here, Lord, bless the Lord. Because it's easy. It's easy to do it around everybody else that thinks the same, believes the same. See, you, okay, let me open up a book of challenges. Go to a church that don't believe in speaking in tongues. Watch how you're hindered. Oh, even, even if the Spirit moves on you. Boy, you'll sit and chew on your knuckles. You, you won't, you, uh-uh. just our mentalities we want to stick with the group that's why we have so many groups now because everybody wants to stick with a group see if you come here I, I, if you don't believe in healing that's up to you let God work that out with you I, but listen to me don't look down your nose at me about it I believe it I've experienced it. So you can't tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. If you don't believe in speaking tongues, don't. That's fine. I just know that in Scripture, and I just know through experience, that it is a gift for you, and it benefits you. And if you'll just open up your mind, and let him get in there. Let him talk to you. Don't talk to yourself. Don't let religion talk for you. Because they'll say, well, that's not, that's not for today's purposes. And if you, if you recall, on the day of Pentecost, come on, shut up, you know. But we've all been to a place in our life somewhere that we've wanted to have that Mount Carmel experience but we've never once weighed the cost. How many of you have ever weighed the cost? How many of you ever thought about, 
I wonder what it's like. Because, see, we think, we look at Elijah, man. He just jumped, Elijah jumps on the scene, and Elijah's bad. And he's doing it all. It looks like right up front. Well, if you ain't heard from him up until that point, that means that he was alone for a lot of times physically, too. But jump up on the scene like that? Man, there's things that take place to get to that point. He had some valleys to walk out of. He was in there. He, he had some trying times with his faith. He's been there. He's went through all of that to get to this point. Even after being there, are you willing to weigh the cost after the fact? Because now, now you done, you done up and done it now. You done, you done, you done went and said it. You, you went and told somebody that Jesus died. You done went and done it. And now they after you to kill you. Oh, see, if I, I forgot. I let that one slip. God, I'm sorry. I told them what could happen. Now, there's not going to be as many willing to follow because up until this point, they were good. and they, They'll choose God as their Savior, but when time comes and then they can get killed, they don't want to go and have to so that caramel, it's really just, well, never mind. Let's just not talk about that one today, Pastor. Are you willing to be hurt, persecuted after? I mean, even after all that happened, Jezebel said, I'll kill you. See, we've all, maybe, maybe, you, maybe some of us have even been in that position, like Elijah. Had the caramel experience, Satan spoke a word, it drew a picture in our mind, and we want and laid underneath a tree, wanting to die. Man, he just come off of his greatest high. I mean, can you imagine, dude, you just slaughtered. 850 prophets and called fire out of heaven and you running because a woman wrote you a note? Really? A note? But see, we don't think that we will turn that quick. See, I love, man, I love how the Bible just packages it all together. Because that, that makes it look, man, that, that's like the simplest thing. That's the easiest thing in the world that anybody could have ever done to threaten me is write a note. Because I'm going to call you a coward. <laughs> you can't even come talk to me about it. You can write me a note, coward. Scary cat, scary. <laughs> right? But, man, here he is, top of the world. And a letter. Runs into a corner. Come on, we've all been there. We get discouraged, depressed, angry. Now we're sitting in a corner. We're saying, I don't even know why we're doing it. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I quit. Just want to die. Do you not remember what just... I 
weigh the cost. Man, this is so good for you. Because before you get on top of the world, you've got to come through the valley. And before you go to the next mountaintop, you're going to have to go through another valley. I'm sorry to tell you that, but that's just how that works. Mountain valley, mountain valley. It's always ups and downs. And... You ought to write that in your notes. Tomorrow's going to be ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. How do you deal with them? It's the key. Oh, God must be getting ready to take me somewhere because he's bringing me through here. What's next, God? What's on the agenda? I mean, Elijah's just making this thing look... I mean, it should have been me writing that. Have you ever had great accomplishments and then, then you don't want to do nothing? You go... Well, it's just so hard. What? It was hard to get here. Why do we give up so quick? Why are we so quickly put to this side and that side? How much longer will you falter between two... I'm good today. I'm bad today. I'm healthy today. I'm sick today. I feel great today. I feel like crap today. I must be the only Christian that does that. Can't wait to get to work today. Don't want to go to work today. Gonna to quit today. I resign today. I'm done today. I quit today. And then your wife looks at you and went, you what? Never mind, I'm going back to work. <laughs> Love my job. You know that scripture says when a man don't eat or don't work, he don't eat. That's really what it's talking about. If you don't work, your wife will beat you. You ain't going to be able to eat. <laughs> Go to work. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. But I don't want us to be confused with our high moments in life and how great everything can be today. And just because tomorrow brings a new challenge that you're willing to forget this moment. We got to turn back the clock sometime. Man, it was so good. Then make it better. You can't make it better by giving up. If you lay underneath the broom tree, it's over. Keep on your feet. Get on your knees every once in a while and pray. But keep on your feet. I'm just tired of watching people of the faith, man, fall off. And I'm not talking young people. Young Christian. I'm talking seasoned people. Because religion has come in and spoke a word into their spirit. That's what they believe. That's what they walk by. They get to the point they feel like, well, I can never be perfect, so I just can't make it. It, it, it ain't had nothing to do with you. Why, why does... 
why does your future, why does your existence and eternity have to weigh on what you do? God would have never had to watch his child go through that stuff if he thought you were good enough to do it. You're not good enough to do it. Would you please listen to that? It takes one thing, one thing, and it's the blood of Christ. That's it. One. You don't add to it. You're not baking a cake. This ingredient alone is all it took. And we think we got to do this and do that and do this and don't do that and don't. I'm not giving you, I'm not giving you uh, cards to sin, okay? There's some things the Bible just says you need to do away with. It's, it talks about getting it, getting it out, dying to the old man, you know, the one that always cussing and slandering. And come on, you know who I'm talking about. There's some things the Bible says do away with. Yep, absolutely. But I'm not going to be the one to look at you and go, you're not going to heaven. Let God work that out in you. Don't let man put condemnation on you. You are who you are because of Christ. No man has ever made you who you are. They can't make you any better. Now, they can make you worse. You keep hanging out with them. The Bible even tells you, don't be, don't be foolish. <laughs> Bad company. <laughs> don't do it. So I'm going to challenge you to weigh your cost. It's going to take all of this. It's going to take all this. Are you willing to go through it? God believes you can, but are you willing God wants you to, but are you?